Hi, this is Fred Olin Ray, and welcome to One Take Territory. Uh, today, I'm going to talk briefly about uh, the movies that time forgot, films that got made and somehow or another seem to vanish, you know, into the ether somewhere. Some never even being released. Uh, one I just can't even, I can't even remember the name of the movie, but I, I thought it was uh, something, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I think I'm wrong. But uh, let's talk uh, first about a couple films that um, were made back uh, in the late 80s. Uh, Gary Graver made a movie, and I guess it did turn up, because once I said I was going to talk about it, a few people popped up and said, Nerds of a Feather. Nerds of a Feather is, uh, is over on the Troma uh, website. And I remember this film because it was sort of a vanity piece for a guy who starred in it. And uh, I'm sure he found the money, et cetera, et cetera, so that he could be a movie star for one go-round or whatever it was. I can't really say. But uh, if you look at the cast, it's full of a bunch of Gary's friends. Uh, and you see people like, um, you know, Fox Harris and Charlie Deerkoff and uh, even Don Wildsmith and uh, Jillian Kessner. Uh, were all in this little movie. And uh, the one thing that I remembered about this film uh, was that Gary was obsessed with little people, you know, like Billy Curtis and Angela Rosito and people like that. Gary was just, he was obsessed with the little people. And when we went to India and he saw a little person begging, you know, on the side of the street or something, he would give them some money and then have his picture taken with them. And he actually gave me a... Um, a frame shot, uh, two photographs of him posing with little people. But in this movie, Nerds of a Feather, the one thing that, I, that stuck out for me was that um, he got together almost every little person that he could find in town, and he put them in a limousine. It was like a clown car. This limousine pulled up, and then all these little people came pouring out of it. And that's about all I remember about Nerds of a Feather, although uh, I'm sure somebody else could probably fill in a little better. But it just seemed to vanish over the years. But apparently it is out there and you can find it. It's like another movie, which was a tax shelter movie, which maybe one day we should talk about tax shelter films. These were movies sort of like that play the producers, movies that were actually made to lose money. And uh, Bill Griffey made one called The Godmothers with Mickey Rooney. And uh, there was another one made in Florida called The Great Balloon Race, which had an incredibly star-studded cast. And uh, it had a big, big weekend opening. And there was a color supplement in the Fort Lauderdale newspaper, uh, which I still have that supplement. Uh, but the movie never was released, to my knowledge, other than maybe some local screenings. Uh, but it had a huge cast, like Richard Keel and Frank Gifford and Cab Calloway in it. And it just had a tremendous cast, but it was, they were made by people who wanted to lose money. They could make money by losing money. And uh, that's kind of what Nerds of a Feather reminded me of. I don't think it was a tax shelter movie, but there were certainly a lot of tax shelter films made back in the day that were simply meant to vanish. Now, another film that I was involved in that's very difficult to locate is a movie called Jaded. And Jaded was a film made by Oya Kodar, who was... Orson Welles's lady friend. I believe Welles may still have been married at the time uh, that he was hanging around with Oya, but um, there you go. Um, there was a movie made by uh, Oya Kadar 
and it was shot by Gary. It was done for nothing. Um, and um, Kelly Maroney was in it, and Elizabeth Brooks from The Howling was in it. And Elizabeth Brooks was not acting when I brought her basically out of retirement, I think, uh, on Deep Space. And she came and did that, and you know, Gary met her, and other people met her, and so she did start getting some other uh, work after that. But she had a lot of health problems. I think she had come from an abusive relationship. She was working as a waitress at a place called Killer Shrimp, which was at the corner of Ventura Boulevard and Colfax. It's a Jinkies, Jinkies Cafe now. But um, she was never really well, and, and, and she passed away uh, at an untimely age. It was very sad. Uh, to hear that but she was in this as well uh, Jillian was in it um, you know of course Oya Kadar was in it and uh, there was a point where they needed some thugs guys with chains and switchblades and brass knuckles and things so they called uh, Dan Golden I think was one of them I think Ross Hagen was one of them and I was one of them and we went to Oya's house which was right on Laurel Canyon. It was like right on the corner. I drove by it the other day and I said, I think that's Oya Kadar's house. And, um, and we, we went one night and uh, we shot this footage for the movie. And I kind of did it because I, they told me they were going to use Orson Welles' unfinished footage from Merchant of Venice in the film. And I said, oh, I would love to be in a movie with Orson Welles. Uh, I'm a very distant cousin of uh, Orson Welles, uh, having a common great-grandfather. And the same great-grandfather uh, connects us with um, Gene Roddenberry and, and Lizzie Borden. If you can imagine that one guy is the great-granddad of Orson Welles, Fred Ray, Gene Roddenberry, and Lizzie Borden. Uh, his, his name was, uh, uh, the ancestor's name was uh, Peter Tallman. Peter Tallman. And uh, I'm eighth cousins with Wells, so I was very interested. So I went down and did it, uh, but I've never seen the film. I've never been able to get a copy of it. Uh, I don't know anything really about it other than what I saw in the trailer. Uh, I know they did actually use the Wells footage, so that's kind of cool. It'd be great if that was on the IMDb page. I think that would be exciting. I don't know where Oya is anymore, and poor Gary isn't around to ask, but it would be interesting to uh, see this film or perhaps facilitate its release. Another film that I did, which actually IMDb removed it, but apparently they put it back because I'm looking at it right now, was a movie called The Legend of William Tell. And I made this film with my friend Richard Gavai, and uh, it had Ed Bagley and Cindy Williams uh, as the leads, and uh, it had a very good cast. Um, Glenn Toronto was in it, who played Gomez Adams in the new Adams Family on TV, and Robert Torty, who was Mr. Downtown, Freddie Fredrickson, in that movie, That Thing You Do, by, uh, I think, Ron Howard. And it was like a movie about, uh, sort of like the Boy Scouts, and uh, archery, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And um, it, uh, it had these two kids, uh, Nick Puse and his brother, uh, Tristan uh, Puse, and they were these skateboarding phenoms. They, they were twins, but they were these incredible skateboarding kids. And we did a little music thing with them um, using a band uh, that had the kids of all these famous uh, people, Mark Burnett's kids. I, I think he 
does one of those uh, shows, uh, not Lost, but one of those, uh, Survivor or something like that. And then the kid whose dad owned Bedhead Hair Products, well, they had a band. And they were all about 8, 10, 12 years old. And they all rolled in in these limousines at this park with these huge biker-looking roadies. <laughs> and these kids set up and they played. And they were very good. And then we did this sort of skateboarding business. Anyway, I liked the movie a lot. I liked Ed Bagley. I loved working with Cindy Williams. I remember we went out to um, Sable Ranch, which recently burned, which was sad because the main ranch house there dated all the way back to Ride of the Cowboy with Abbott and Costello. And there were some cows and donkeys and things that just kind of roamed around the property and they told everybody, stay away, stay away from the animals. Don't, don't approach the animals. And of course, I look over and somebody says, Fred, look, look, look. I looked over and Cindy Williams is over there and she's trying to pet this cow and the cow like butt kicks her and she goes flying through the air and she lands about five feet back on her rear end and uh, we rushed over to see if she was okay unfortunately she was but I mean you tell people don't come here don't go near the mules and the donkeys and the horses leave them alone but you know you just you just never know but for anyway we make this movie and Eric Spudik's in it a little bit it's like a boy scout film it's a children's film and um, right when the film is finished, something happens. And I don't want to go into great detail, but I believe that one of the higher-ups in the uh, executive area of the film ran afoul of the law and somehow or another became incarcerated, as the polite term would go. And it threw this whole movie into limbo and as I understand it, this producer is now, you know, out of the pokey, but no one's really quite sure who owns The Legend of William Tell. So the film just sits and languishes. And because it was never released, IMDb took it off their listing. Uh, yeah, although I do think there was a trailer on YouTube for a while. And they did the same thing with Reptosaurus and Megaconda, the two movies that were made, uh, that we made, uh, it took a while to, to get them distributed because the people we sold them to were then seized by um, Merrill Lynch in some kind of money scam of some sort, uh, alleged. Uh, and those films didn't come out, so IMDb takes, takes Megaconda's listing down, which was, you know, I said there's no denying that the film exists. There's a trailer, it starred Greg Evigan, it had Stella Stevens. Uh, there's no denying that the film was made. Uh, maybe it's back up now because I think these things are on Amazon Prime. The company haven't solved their issues with uh, Merrill Lynch. So those films are now available. Now the strangest movie of all is one that I only have my memory to go on. I cannot find any evidence that it exists except that, you know, I was there. I saw it. It was a movie about like a dog that was an angel. I used to think it was called Oh Heavenly Dog or something, but I'm sure I'm confusing it with another real movie. Um, but it was about a dog, kind of like the one Gary had, which was kind of like one of those little fluffy, small dogs um, that people have. Um, and the dog was like an angel or something. And the movie had Gary Busey in it, and I'm sure Jillian was in it, and Ray Manzarek from The Doors was one of the producers. I thought that he had put money into this. And 
they shot it on video, which I thought was a very bad idea. I saw some of the scenes, and it was a scene in heaven where the floor was covered in a dry ice fog, and the characters were moving about, and they're supposed to be in heaven. But it was shot on video, so it looked like a soap opera. This was before the day when you could shoot video in 24 frames per second, and it looked like a film. And it was Gary Busey, is all I remember. Gary Busey, and I know Jillian was in it. Gary was the director, and I believe Ray Manzarek was the producer or the financier or something like that. And I have looked everywhere. It's not on Jillian's IMDb. Uh, it's not on Ray Manzarek's. Uh, Gary's IMDb is almost, you know, too thick for me to <laughs> wade through it. But there's just no, there's just no, um, what do you call it? There's no record. There's no record of this film anywhere. So I don't know if anyone out there can help, but this is definitely a movie that uh, vanished into thin air. You know, it's kind of like one of those Don Jackson movies. Don Jackson was a guy like Ray Steckler. If he found a role of film, he would start a movie. He didn't care if he didn't have a script. And I remember Don shot scenes for like a vampire hunter movie uh, where he had a porn star that he worked with for a while who had big boobs and black hair, and I can't think of her name. Um, but he went into a, that Don rented a, a motel room like in Hollywood. And they shot this scene where she's seducing this guy and then someone comes in and shoots her with a crossbow. And the blood went all over the walls and everything. I, I really think they ducked out of that hotel room without cleaning it. I'm not really sure. But Don would start a movie on any given day. He had one called Steel Bogey, which was like a robot version of Humphrey Bogart. And he had a mask made and he had a Maltese Falcon kind of puppet that was supposedly made of steel too. And it was like a rubber thing. And they asked me, if I would fall down, roll down a flight of stairs for him. And I said, well, okay. And I came over there and it was a circular stairway, you know, one of those tight ones that went up a spiral. And I'm like, well, how am I going to roll down this? I, I tried it. I swear to God. Don also did a movie. He had a movie about a, like a judge, uh, like a, like a, a, an Amish guy who was like revenging himself on people with a chainsaw and I remember they sh they had a place to shoot this promo for it and we had to carry this dolly you know these peewee dollies used to weigh a ton I don't know they may have weighed 400 pounds I don't know what about four guys had to carry that thing up a couple flights of stairs so that Don could dolly toward a big piece of paper he had a big piece of paper set up with a fogger and a light behind it and then the the guy which was I believe Richard Hinch who was in Scalps cut a cross, cut the sign of a cross from behind with a chainsaw through the paper, which let the light and the fog shine through. And I can't remember what that one was called. But Don would start, oh, I don't know how many movies. I once sculpted an alligator head for him. So he had a project where these Nazis had sewn the head of an alligator onto a man. And uh, he was shooting scenes for that. And there must be a dozen or more uh, movies that Don started and filmed parts of that he never completed. You know, Ray Steckler was the same way. If Ray found a 400-foot roll of film or even a 100-foot roll of film, Ray would start making uh, a movie, even if he didn't have a plot <laughs> or, a, or a story. And what I think would be interesting sometime is the incredibly true story of Warcat, 
a movie that started out with Ray Steckler, I believe, as the director, and Ted B. Michaels as the cameraman, or it was the other way around. And somewhere during the course of this movie, um, Ray was uh, fired, and Ted Michaels took over everything. And it was kind of a female Rambo, produced by Jeffrey C. Hogue. And it's available for Blu-ray and DVD. I just don't know if there's even a thousand people who would want it. Anyway, that's it for today. Those are the movies that time forgot.